Welcome to Take Command, a Dale Carnegie podcast, the show where we seek to uncover what leadership means in today's world. I'm Joe Hart, CEO of Dale Carnegie, and we will be talking to diverse leaders with stories to tell across various industries to help unlock your potential for success. We will be sharing real-life insights into leadership, which in turn can help spark the next level of your growth as a leader. This is our first episode of 2023, and it will be a special and different one. Today, January 10th, Dale Carnegie and Simon & Schuster are releasing a new book, Take Command. Our book, like the podcast, focuses on what professionals in the modern world need to succeed in their careers and their lives. Take Command is about finding your inner strength, building enduring relationships, and living the life you want. We will talk about this new book that Michael Crom and I had the honor of co-authoring. This episode will give a behind-the-scenes look at the creation of Take Command. Today's guest host is Dale Carnegie's Chief Operating Officer and Chief Marketing Officer, Christine Buscarino. Christine, welcome. Fabulous to have you in this role, and I'm going to turn it over to you to proceed with our conversation. Thank you so much, Joe. I'm so glad to be here. I'd like to introduce our guest. Our first guest had a 35-year career at Dale Carnegie and Associates, serving most recently as the Chief Learning Officer and Executive Vice President. He continues to serve as a board member for Dale Carnegie. He co-authored two books, The Sales Advantage and The Leader in You, How to Win Friends, Influence People, and Succeed in a Changing World. These books have together sold more than 1 million copies. He is a past chairman of the Board for Accrediting Council for Continuing Education and Training. We are pleased to welcome Dale Carnegie's grandson, Michael Crom. Our second guest has been influenced by Dale Carnegie's principles since a young age. He started his career as a practicing attorney. And after taking the Dale Carnegie course, he reassessed his career path and founded an innovative e-learning company. After selling this business, he became the president of a U.S. health and wellness company. In 2015, he became a CEO of a global professional development training organization that has changed the lives of millions of individuals and businesses and has helped them take command. Our guest speaks around the world on leadership, culture, change management, resilience, creativity, and innovation topics. He is a contributor for The Rolling Stones, Newsweek, HR.com, and Forbes. In 2019, the CEO Forum Group awarded him the Transformative CEO Leadership Award. Please welcome Dale Carnegie, President and CEO, Take Command podcast host, and the co-author of the just-released Take Command book, Joe Hart. So Joe, you know, this is the first Dale Carnegie book that you have authored after many, many, many years of experience with the brand. Now, you are the president and CEO, but prior, you were a content provider, 
you're a Dale Carnegie graduate and your story is amazing about how Dale Carnegie transformed your life. So tell us what really inspired you to write Take Command. Why was this so important that you did this for young and more experienced readers? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. Both Michael and I, we've known each other for over 20 years and have just been so deeply impacted by Dale Carnegie. I mean, both of us just in our lives and Michael, of course, raised with it and me having taken a Dale Carnegie program very early. During the pandemic, we were facing, as you know, Christine, you know, very significant challenges going through covid and, you know, I had this kind of epiphany as I was struggling in March 2020 with just all the challenges of my thinking and negative thinking and so forth. And I leveraging Dale Carnegie principles really from how to stop worrying and start living was able to flip kind of the script for myself and to think about how to take command. Take command has been a theme that we've had for the business, you know, since I think 2019, 18 and 19. I reached out to Michael really summertime, June, July, and started to talk about just you know, the world really needs the principles of Dale Carnegie. And what could we do potentially to write a book that builds on Dale Carnegie's wisdom, his wisdom from how to win friends and influence people, his wisdom from how to stop worrying and start living, and his wisdom in the world-famous Dale Carnegie course. So, you know, we really kind of started to talk about it and go back and forth about it, but it really was a desire for both of us to build on Dale Carnegie's brilliance and amazing principles, and ideally to get them to a younger audience who may not necessarily be familiar with Dale Carnegie, 22, 45 kind of range. And that's really a fundamental purpose of this book. We want to help take these things that if we had known these when we were younger, could have really made a big difference. And hopefully they will for the people who read or listen to this book. That's fantastic, Joe. You know, I was there with you when the pandemic happened and it was amazing how you were able to take command of the organization and what we were facing with and really drive with your leadership us through. And I know that those amazing stories and really your learnings from that, along with the experiences prior that, you know, you do share will really make an impact to the reader. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, Michael, you know, Dale Carnegie has been part of your life since you've been a child, your grandmother, Dorothy, your grandfather, Dale, the stories and really using the principles in your everyday approach towards life and then in your career, it's been amazing to see that, you know, not only as part of your family, but what you've given to so many others because of that experience. What do you hope the readers take from this book that they may have not experienced with other Dale Carnegie books that you've contributed to and others have contributed to over the years? I'm so excited by what has been accomplished on this book. And as you mentioned, this is uh... I think my third book published with Simon and & Schuster, and we took a very different approach on this. In part, we were forced to because of the pandemic. Every single interview that Joe and I did were done on Zoom. We didn't meet with people face-to-face, -face, and so we used a whole different technology to get in front of even more people. I had the opportunity to sit down with probably close to 100 young people who I could not have done if I'd had to go and meet them face-to-face -face and do it the traditional way. And I found myself becoming more and more inspired by this group of dynamic, exciting, accomplished young people. What I hope this book will be a little different in that a bulk of the stories and examples, illustrations are done from these young people. It is very contemporary. And the 21st century is brought with it 
new challenges that frankly, I haven't experienced in my lifetime until the last three years. And the people we interviewed and included in this book, not only faced the same challenges we did, but they thrived during this time period. And I'm hoping that this becomes a guidebook for them, our readers to follow and to understand and grab onto. That's amazing, Michael, just what you got from each of those stories and you were able to bring to the book for us all to experience. I think it's truly amazing. And we hope we never have to face what we faced over the last three years again. But it's like a guidebook for how to take command and lead through them. So thank you. You know, Christine, one of the things I think that's really powerful about what Michael did, and frankly, it was an inspiration in the book, we think about, you know, the stories, you know, Dale Carnegie's powerful storytelling, you know, and Michael had been interviewing these incredible people. I mean, it was part of the connection for us is, you know, these are stories that can inspire other people. And we know that adults and people want to learn from others. So the fact that he had done that was really an important part of the idea behind the book. And frankly, it's one of the things that really helps bring the book to life. So Michael, you know, it's amazing just to hear the angles that you and Joe came from and such an inspiration for this book is How to Win Friends and Influence People written in 1936, right? But published by the same publisher. And I know that Simon & Schuster is super excited about the success this book is going to bring. So whether somebody read How to Win Friends and Influence People or they're new to Dale Carnegie books, why is it so important that people of all ages read this book? Yeah, I think we're in a different world today. I look at how we live our lives. Uh, I'm on uh, several boards. And during that time period, we've all moved to Zoom calls. So we've got very experienced people that are finding they can contribute even more through a whole different methodology. But it wasn't easy for people on these boards to contribute in the same way. So For an older, more experienced group of people, I think there's new things to learn still. For younger people, my daughter's in her 30s, my son in his 20s, and they live a very different lifestyle than I did at those same ages. And what I really hope for is that they will also find tools that will make their lives better, more exciting, that they will thrive at whatever point they are in life. I don't want them to waste time at any age. I think there's some great tools that we have. We have taken some of the great principles from Mr. Carnegie. We've made them come alive to really work for today. And that's what I'm excited about for our readers. Thank you, Michael. And, you know, you both broke the book and the process into three distinct parts. Joe, can you tell us about just the layout, the three sections of the book and how the reader should consider not only taking command of their thoughts and emotions, but their relationship and their future, which the book really dives into. Yeah, no, thank you. We really thought about it in terms of concentric circles, you know, and a lot of this even derived just from the experience that Michael and I were going through during the pandemic. So, you know, the first thing is you got to take command of your emotions and your thoughts, right? So we think about the stresses, the fears, the insecurities that people may have, Versus other people, some people say, gosh, why is that person so resilient, so strong? How do they get through these kinds of things? So we realized that the first thing that we needed to talk about is how to take command of yourself and really to develop that inner strength and that confidence and that courage so that you can move forward in a constructive way. And once you can do that, you know, you can't give what you don't have, right? So you want to work with other people and have relationships and everything in our life. So much of our life comes down to the relationships we have with people, whether they're good, whether they're not good, whether they're strained. 
And right now, it's very difficult. The world is polarized. And often, it's just very easy to have difficult people and difficult relationships. So take command of your relationships, which is part two, really comes from, is built on how to win friends and influence people, all this brilliance of Dale Carnegie. And so we really teach about some of these different things so that people can be stronger in their careers, stronger in their families and their friendships and so forth. But you start by taking command of yourself, you take command of your relationships. And then the third part of this is take command of your future. And this really comes from the Dale Carnegie course. You think about, and this was a pivotal session for me, Christine, when I took the Dale Carnegie course and they sat down and said, what's your vision for yourself? In a whole range of different parts of your life, it's like, gosh, I really haven't been thinking about this. But we want to challenge people to think about, you know, you've got this life. It's awesome to have the time that we have here in this world. So make the most of it, right? You don't want to get to the end of your life and say, where did all my time go? And I didn't do the things I wanted to. And I regret, I wish I had been more courageous or taken chances or been bold and so forth. So part three is really about, look, what are the things that are important to you? What are your values? How do you want to be remembered? What's your vision? What's the impact you want to have? And we really are working with people in that context to think about that. So all three of those parts, though, I think Michael and I feel strongly that you know if people read the book and they're like, oh, that was a really good book, or we like that book, or there are a lot of good ideas, but they don't do anything, then really, from our standpoint, it's been a failure. Our goal is for this book to be, it's a manual, it's a roadmap, it's something that can activate people to really take command. It's not think about your life, study, learn, research. It says, hey, take command, make it happen. Thank you. And a lot of what you're talking about is a concept you bring up in the book, which is about intentionality or living an intentional life. You've stayed with that focus in both your personal and your professional careers. So for listeners to consider this and adopt the same vision, how does this book demonstrate the impact of the concept of living an intentional life? So the first thing it does is it just tries to get people even thinking about the reality of life, you know, which is to say, we're all so busy. If you ask people, how are you doing? You know, nine out of 10 people are going to say, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm so busy. And, you know, there's a whirlwind that we can all get kind of sucked into. And what happens is days pass, months pass, years pass. And then we say, gosh, how did I get here? So intentionality is really giving people the time and the courage and the space to think about what's important to you and what do you want to do? Where are your values and so forth? And then to encourage them, first part of this, Christine, is around your mindset. You know, how are you thinking about it? Are you looking for opportunity? Are you thinking constructively? Or are you kind of stuck in negativity and victimhood or whatever it might be? But how do you really think in a way? And then how do you condition yourself for success? What are the routines you need to have so that every single day you're getting stronger and stronger and better and better? So all of that kind of builds on this intentionality so that when you get to part three of the book and you say, all right, what's your vision? I don't know. I don't know my vision is. We're going to walk you through it. Let's develop a vision. And so then you can have this as a North Star and then you can guide yourself to follow the steps that will get you there. So that's what intentionality is about. And frankly, in the Dale Carnegie course, one of the most impactful parts for me is this whole idea. It's like, I'm living an intentional life. That's what we want to do. We want to take command of our lives. You know, Michael, as I was reading the book, I really started to think of what resonated with me most. And really, we talk a lot about managing our fears, right? So with what we're all facing right now, post-pandemic, financial crisis pending, a war in Europe, sometimes those fears prevent us 
from taking action and reaching our full potential. What are some of the barriers that are preventing people from managing their fears? And how do you suggest that the reader and our listeners today really start to overcome those barriers? Very important question, Christine. You're absolutely right. During the last several years, we've all experienced this worldwide series of issues that have had a massive increase in the fear level for all of us. And it's human nature to respond with fear to all that we've gone through. It really is. Our own doubts and personal fears have been magnified too by social media, the 24-hour news cycle. It's really easy to fall into this continuous trap. So many of our thoughts and emotions have just swirled around the negative and all the things that can possibly negatively impact us and our families. And this does create a significant barrier to our managing those fears. So what we suggest is focus on ways to increase your own self-worth. Begin to develop a pattern of habits that you're just being kind to yourself. You know, speak to yourself as if you were speaking to a loved one. You know, we tend to be very harsh critics of ourselves, and things nag at us at night, especially, right? So I would recommend beginning with a strength inventory. We're made up of a great many strengths and a few perceived weaknesses. And truthfully, most of the things we worry about never occur. So let's begin to focus in on those strengths, the positives that are going on in our life. I recommend we can start the day with a series of habits. And one of them could be a daily personal pep talk. Something that says, the strength I have in me is that I like people. And throughout today, I'm going to find ways to find something I like about the people around me. That could be one idea. Build on those little things. Keep things positive in your mental life. Don't compare yourself to others. That's another challenge we have with Facebook and social media. Work on building up the self-confidence and the personal strength. Find some models of people who are positive and believe in themselves and work on emulating what they're doing. And one final thing I would add on this is seek out supportive and positive friends. We're all very susceptible to negative influences. So let's positively seek out people that are likable and like us and will be supportive and not pick on us. We have enough of that going around. Yeah, thank you, Michael. You're right, right? We learned a long time ago to love ourselves first, right? So that others can too, and we can do the same for others and surround yourself with people that build you up and you can improve their lives as well. And I think you're right, forming those habits and intentionally every day, starting your day positive really starts to you know, create the vision you have for yourself over time and get past some of those fears or difficult situations, which we each face. And you're right, you never see them on social media. <laughs> I'd really like to just dive in a little bit to what did happen behind the scenes for our reader, as well as our listeners today, co-authoring a book, understanding what that routine was that the two of you had how you paid careful attention to the details of the stories, the range of age and cultures in the stories that are represented from the contributors throughout the book. Michael, your relentless mission, 
right? You interviewed nearly a hundred people, if not more. You were relentless in interviewing as many people as possible to capture the essence of their leadership story. And I found that truly remarkable. So what did you enjoy most about the process of not only working together, but how each of your unique talents and the stories of others really helped build this book? Joe is the fifth co-author I've worked with on a book and by far the most inspirational to work with. He brought with him a great joy to every aspect of this process. From moment one, he had this amazing ability to look at the big picture. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. Here's the things that he thought we should be covering. And we worked back and forth on that. We were supportive and positive to each other. We modeled what I just talked about. He built me up. I hope I built him up. That was absolutely amazing. And then the communication, openness, and style was fabulous working with Joe. So not only could he see this big picture, but he has this ability to get down into the nitty and gritty of the story and say, okay, let's bring this to life. Here's what it's going to take and get into the minute detail of the words. I think your background as a trained attorney probably helped a lot on that aspect of it because you cared about literally every word we presented in this book. And you looked at every story so that it brought out what point we were trying to share and making sure that it hit the nail on the head for what was shared with us in our interviews. I appreciate that, Michael. I mean, thank you for those kind words. And going back to Christine's question, it really was a great partnership. You know, you think about two people who've got kind of a concept for a book, and you can imagine that there could be creative tension, there could be literal tension, you could have frustration or aggravation. I got to tell you, in complete transparency, there was not a single moment of that remarkably in the way that Michael and I worked together. So Michael, incredible in terms of his ability to go out and have an interview with people, he was able to bring so much this really great content and ideas and his just extensive lifelong background with Dale Carnegie. He had a great vision and we were able to complement each other in a very constructive way. And sometimes, you know, we might have a different point of view. And one of the things that was very satisfying for me is we would drop into the Dale Carnegie principles. So rather than kind of digging in and arguing about a position, it's like, well, wait, help me understand. He'd say, help me understand this, right? Say, help me understand this. It was very easy working together. Now, the work that we did was very hard. I mean, Michael and I worked together in the beginning, particularly, you know, Michael has the good fortune of having had a great career and being retired. I have the great fortune of leading this amazing company and working very, very hard. So we had to find time sometimes at night, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the weekends to work on the outline. We spent many months before we went to Simon & Schuster just saying, what's the concept and how do we impact people? What are the goals and so forth? And then once we went to Simon & Schuster and they really got behind it, I mean, that process then of developing and working with collaborators who helped us on some of the writing and bringing it all together it was a ton of work for a year. It really was incredible. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Michael did, but he didn't tell me up front. <laughs> but thank goodness it really came together. And, you know, I think for both of us, we intend this to be a pay it forward because what we got from Dale Carnegie has impacted both of us deeply. We want other people to have it. We want people to have, you know, exposure to Dale Carnegie principles in a contemporary, diverse way that will activate them. If they do nothing more than read this book and take action on it, it makes their lives better, great. We would hope, 
I mean, the best way to apply the principles in this book is ultimately take a Dale Carnegie course. That was a game changer for Michael. It was a game changer for me. Read how to win friends. Read how to stop worrying. It's like go to the source. So, you know, we hope that Take Command will be a catalyst to really activate people for themselves. You know, it's the amazing brilliance, really, of Dale Carnegie and of our global franchise network who deliver this. Thank you both. You know, I can attest, Joe, just to the hours that went into this and the balancing of the day job with the development of this. And I'll never forget the phone call on a Friday. You said, Christine, I'm signing off for the weekend and you can't contact me unless there's an emergency. And I'm going to let the whole team know because I need to focus. And like Michael said, right, you looked at every word and you really thought of the meaning of each word. And one of the ways you were able to kind of focus and step away was you literally went on silent retreats to work for days. You separated yourself from your family. You separated yourself from work. That shows not only dedication, but so much compassion for the end result of this book. So can you talk just a little bit about what that was like? I mean, silent retreat. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I, I've forgotten about that part of this, but I live in a very busy household. I have three teenagers in the house, my wife, two dogs, a cat, a couple of geckos. We got a lot going on in the house and plus a lot of distractions. I said to myself, I got to go someplace by myself for a series of consecutive weekends just to write and work on the book. Otherwise, we're never going to get this done because we felt a lot of pressure to get a lot of writing done. So there's a retreat center, this Catholic retreat center, not far from me. And they would have people going on these weekend retreats. The idea is you'd start on a Friday and there's no talking and there are a whole range of activities and there's meals and so forth, but there's no talking for three days. I contacted them and said, look, I'm not planning on going on all the activities, but can I use your facility and use your room? I would go to some of the activities, but my purpose was really primarily in writing. And so it was this, I don't know what, they've got 50 acres, it was beautiful and so forth, but I would be in my room or be outside or be focused or sit by a fireplace just working on the book. And if it wasn't for some of that kind of dedicated time, I think we'd still be working on the draft right now. <laughs> Maybe Michael could have helped get moving along, but I needed that dedicated focus. And it was hard because I was away from my family for several weekends, but it was worth it. I'm just grateful for the end product and what I think we've been able to put together. I hope that all the readers love this book and that makes a huge impact on them and then it'll all have been worth it. It was an amazing level of commitment to see that Joe would do that and balance it all. Just, I love that. Michael, I know you have a favorite story because you did all of the interviewing and I'd love for you to share actually what the process was to collect the stories. And for you to just share with us what your most memorable one was, because I'm sure one touched you very close to your heart. Well, I didn't do all the interviews, just so we're clear. Joe did a lot of interviews as well, uh, included a number of the people he did on prior podcasts as well. But at the very beginning of this project, we were assigned an editor, and he brought a lot of insights. And one of them was we needed to have more interviews of younger people than I had in past books. And so I thought for several days about how we could do that. Reach out to some of the Forbes 30 under 30 winners. As a test, I sent to 20 of them a little note on LinkedIn. And I said, I'm working on co-authoring a book with Dale Carnegie and uh, Simon & Schuster's publishing it. And I'd love to interview you for the book. And I wanted to see how many would respond. 16 of the 20 responded. 
And I was shocked. And I knew this was going to be a method we could reach out to a lot of young, exciting, inspirational, and successful people. And so we probably interviewed, between John and I, over 70 of the 30 under 30 Forbes Award winners. And they are an incredible group. But you asked about a favorite story. And one of the winners of this was Daniela Fernandez. And at eight years old, Daniela came from Ecuador with her single mom. They moved up to Chicago and they lived in what I would call poverty. And her mother made sure that no matter what occurred, that Daniela quickly learned to speak English and got a good education. And as she was growing up, she became enthralled with the oceans and the plight of this planet. As time went on, she became more and more enamored with the oceans. And so she went on a full scholarship to Georgetown University. And clearly they were enthralled with her at Georgetown because they sent her up her freshman year, 19 years old. They sent her to the United Nations Conference on the Oceans. This just blew her away, it inspired her fully. And on the train ride from New York back to Washington, D.C., where Georgetown is, she wrote out a plan to create an organization called the Sustainable Oceans Alliance. And I'll never forget, she told me, she went back and went to her guidance counseling and said, I'd like to have a small student rally on the oceans, maybe 500 students. And I'd like uh, Secretary of State and the President of National Geographic to speak. Would that be okay? And he looked at her and said, sure, you get them to speak and we'll do it. Well, she did. And Secretary Kerry was so excited by the whole concept, he broadcast the conference live to all of the U.S. embassies around the world. And that was the start of this alliance for young people to find ways to get this planet to be in better shape through sustainable oceans. And I look today at where she is. I think she's 27, maybe 28. And they have operations in 185 countries. They have now created a first ocean solution accelerator, an incredible organization. They've already trained more than 100 ocean-based companies to go out and do an even better job. They're making a difference. She got me so excited by what she's doing. She sent me a list of some of the past companies, and I reached out to some of them. And I actually was able to interview, based on one of the graduates of this program, Tom Burbeck, who's in Southwest England. And He's creating a sustainable artificial reefs for England to bring back fish and plant life around England, and it's working already. So that's my favorite story, and it's inspired me to look at more and more about what I can personally do for the oceans. I can tell you she's making a difference, and I think our readers will find her story exciting as well. Well, that's definitely a story of someone who took command and it's influenced you in a positive way. So thank you for sharing that. You know, Joe, if I may, some of the interviews you did as well were with people in the Dale Carnegie family, some young, some in countries across the world, as well as people that they're in close contact with. And I'm sure you grew a much closer bond with some of those team members. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that process? So one of the things that Michael and I decided very, very early on. We have a target demographic that might be 22 to 45, and neither one of us are in that demographic. So part of what we decided to do was to create an advisory panel that would consist of people from all over the world, 
who really could be a sounding board for us and help us make sure, hey, you know, do we have the right stories? Are they relevant? Want to make sure this is really diverse stories. So we had this group of 12 people, some of whom are from the Dale Carnegie organization and some of whom are not. But it was really just incredible to be able to work with people from, I'm trying to remember how many countries we had of the 12. It was like at least eight from the Asia Pacific region, from Latin America, from the Middle East, from Europe, you know, really from all over, from North America. So we worked very closely with these individuals and they really helped us frame it. We spent a lot of time, Michael, right on the principles, just, you know, thinking through the principles and going through some of the chapter content and so forth. So part of the reason why we're so grateful for this group, I mean, they really had a huge impact and imprint on the book. So those were our advisors. We also had, you know, another group of people from the Dale Carnegie organization who were involved in helping coordinate with that. We had people you know, like you, Christine, were certainly involved, and we really appreciate that. Or Sel Charles, Chris Coggle, have a huge role in that. And there are others. I don't want to forget any names. There were a lot, a lot of people. As much as Michael and I you know, are the co-authors of this book, there are so many people who are behind it. it. truly was a team effort. I mean, honestly, not just the people that we interviewed. You've got people within Dale Carnegie, outside of Dale Carnegie, advisors, ambassadors. I mean, you've got dozens of people who've had a really big impact in putting this book together. It's not by any means just Michael and myself. It really is a group of us who've come together, I think, to create a book that we're really hopeful will have a huge impact on people around the world. I know, you know, all those people involved feel the same way and are excited to share the stories with the readers and be part of the mission to really build adoption for this book across the world. You know, Joe, clearly you run a very critical business. We transform lives every day for people. We're as busy as anything, right? Coming out of shifting our in-person business to a digital business overnight with the pandemic and supporting our network globally. Really timing-wise, I don't know that you really had the time for this right now, but it was so important that we did this now. Talk about why now? Why did it mean so much that young and experienced readers got their hands on this today? There really were a convergence of a number of things. There's just no question for Michael and for me, the pandemic was a huge catalyst. Part of what it also revealed, though, you think about even right now, the heightened levels of stress and anxiety and depression and worry that people have individually and that then they take into their work lives. So as Dale Carnegie, we work with you know, so many companies and organizations that bring us in. And so many of the challenges that they have are just the struggles that people are going through. And Michael and I really thought we have been given something through the wisdom of Dale Carnegie, through all that we've experienced, and we're stewards. And this is a world that desperately needs these teachings and these lessons right now, more maybe now than ever. So it was really a heavy lift to work on the book And I don't think Michael and I really thought about that as much as the honor it was to write it and the responsibility to write it and the impact that we hope that we'll have in the world right now. And especially for younger people, especially for people, when I think about myself or Michael, we've learned a lot just by the years that we've had on the planet. Many of the people who are younger haven't had that opportunity yet. So if we can save them frustration and worry and anxiety and help them achieve the things that are really important to them, stronger relationships, stronger internal strength and fortitude, and the ability to live a meaningful life for them, 
we're going to be really excited. We hope that people will take the Dale Carnegie class because it will benefit them. Read the Dale Carnegie books, but it's been a great effort and stewardship. Joe, Michael, you're both amazing leaders, right? I see your transparency and your leadership, your open communication. And I think all of us listening today hear your genuine and heartfelt responses. So thank you. Before we leave, I would just ask one more thing to you both. What's next, right? For each of you, for our listeners, for readers, for Dale Carnegie. Well, I think our immediate goal is to see about how we can let people know about this book. We want to reach as many people as possible because we believe if we get this take command out to people as a guidebook, as a handbook, to give people of all ages tools to make them more resilient, help them reduce some of the stresses that are still out there today. We may be calling this post-pandemic but there's a lot of stress still out there. There's a lot of changes that have occurred and this rubber band will never stretch back to the way it used to be. And so these tools are critical. And I feel that if people are gonna adopt what we have shared in this book, what these young people, what these other great leaders have shared within the book, it can make a difference for the world. I walked away after all the interviews and listening to the podcast that Joe did and the other interviews that were done and the contributions for the book. And I was more hopeful than I've been in decades. I firmly believe that our young people can and will make a huge difference in this planet in bringing about unity rather than division. And the message that we want to get out there right now, and that's the immediate future as I look at it, is get the message out and let's make a difference. Let's bring this to be a better place for all of us to live in. Yeah, I mean, I can't say it much better than Michael did. I mean, that's really the objective is to get this out there, help people get exposed to it so that they can use it and leverage it and make a difference for themselves and their families and their organizations. And that's really what we hope to do. Thank you, Joe, Michael, so much for your time today. I'm going to turn it back to you now, Joe. Awesome. Well, thank you, Christine. And great job, you know, being in the interviewer seat. It's a little weird to be in the being interviewed seat. You're quite natural at this. If you ever want to be a guest person taking over the podcast, maybe I can take a little vacation for a period of time and have you take over. So thank you for that. But Michael, thank you also. I mean, this is really, you know, again, it's been an act of I think love for both of us in terms of trying to put this together. And, you know, we're grateful for the opportunity we've had to do that. And certainly our franchisees around the world are fabulous. We're grateful for them. And any closing words, Michael, for you? No, just thank you so much, Joe. It's been an honor and a privilege for me to have this time. I feel rejuvenated by the process of working with you. So thank you so much for all you've done for me. Well, you're welcome. And thank you. Our listeners might be wondering, where can they buy the book? The book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can buy it on Kindle, Audible, hardcover. Release date is January 10th. So I hope everyone who's listening will get a copy and let us know what you think. Go out and review it and reach out to us. And you know, if we can be of service to you in any way, just let us know. So thank you again, both of you, for being with me today and wish you both the best. Join us and order a copy of Take Command in hardcover, ebook, or audiobook format at your favorite bookseller or at takecommandbook.io. Also, you can visit takecommand.com for more information about the book and additional resources. 
I hope you enjoyed this edition of Take Command, a Dale Carnegie podcast. Check out our resources page at www.dalecarnegie.com for more research, insight, and tools that will support your success in taking command of your leadership potential. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating it and subscribing to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Take Command, a Dale Carnegie podcast.